The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning, January the 27th, 2022. It is 7.02 on your Tucson Thursday. We are live here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson is Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. So glad to be with you here as we count down the week headed towards championship weekend The AFC Championship games and NFC Championship games will be played on Sunday. I'll have a full set of previews for you tomorrow. We will talk about the games today as well because I kind of wanted to to go through and and look and see, I think, what would be what the most intriguing matchups would be for the Super Bowl, for, you know, the impending Super Bowl that's coming up February 13th in Los Angeles, and which of the four possibilities – would be most intriguing for the fans, most intriguing for the league. Which ones would the league be rooting for, essentially? Which ones would have the most interesting matchups? Which would be the best game, the best storylines, all that kind of stuff? So I've got some ideas on which games I think you know would be the best for certain situations. And, and uh, uh, obviously you're, you're more than willing to, to weigh in on that, and uh, we'll open up. The uh, you know the, the Twitter verse is always open. You can always hit me up on Twitter, but uh, we'll open it up there as well. You guys can can uh, respond to the show that way and uh, share your opinions with with the uh, with the show in regards to which Super Bowl matchup you would like to see. Uh, it's a busy busy day today. We have tickets galore to give away today. We have Tucson Roadrunners family four packs. Your final chance to uh, register to win those tickets. Uh, or maybe uh, maybe we have some tomorrow. I don't remember. We may have a whole lot more hanging around in the uh, in the room there. Regardless, you're going to have an opportunity to text in to win a family four pack of tickets to go see the Roadrunners on the ice Saturday night for Star Wars Night versus Bakersfield at the TCC. I'll let you know when uh, when that uh, when the text line opens up there. That'll be sometime between now and uh, 8:58 a.m. Uh, also, we were just handed some tickets last night to the MLS Desert Showdown. The uh, yes, the MLS is going to be in town. It's uh, it's going to be going on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, if you will. I guess it's going to be Saturday at 4 p.m. Essentially at Kino Stadium North. We're going to have a family four pack to give away to go see some MLS action, Kansas City versus Colorado. Uh, that's going to be in Tucson on Saturday. So we've got some tickets for that coming up. Be listening for your cue to call if you're down with the MLS and want to go check out some uh, some soccer action. Be listening for your chance to win those tickets coming up today sometime before 8.58 a.m. as well. So we'll be, uh, we'll be discussing those and, and uh, giving away some tickets to you guys, our loyal listeners here every single weekday here on the Jeff Dean Show. We're going to be talking plenty of NFL today. Uh, don't you know? We've we've got, like I mentioned, the 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 championship matchups and the the potential Super Bowl matchups that are the most intriguing. I've also got I've been working on my list of the best NFL quarterbacks, twenty five and under. It's a difficult, honestly, it's a difficult list to put together because you have uh, you have the obvious you know the obvious quarterbacks who are sitting atop of that list, and then there's a, a group of players that are all kind of bunched together that 
have not exactly given us the most complete resume yet. I mean, they're young, obviously, um, and we haven't seen the most complete resume out of them yet. Some of them are in terrible situations with the team that they're with, such as like a Davis Mills who, despite having quite possibly the worst roster in all of professional sports, and I mean that, like the the Houston Texans this year were god-awful. When you look at that roster, just – the, the talent level on that roster, it was bereft. Uh, and to be able to even win football games and compete in several others uh, against really good teams says a lot about Davis Mills. But, again, it's like, well, you know, it's not a whole lot of – not a huge resume there. So where do you put him? So we'll have some fun with that. That will be coming up in a little bit. Uh, we also saw a, a, a good win last night. The women's basketball team, Arizona Wildcats women's basketball team, went in to Poly Pavilion in Los Angeles just a night after the men's team got ran out of town, and the ladies took care of business last night, beating the Bruins 74-63 to for the first time since 2007 in, uh, in winning that game in Los Angeles. They were down double digits early. Sam Thomas led them back. Uh, Shayna Pellington was absolutely amazing. Kate Reese was solid, as she always is. And, you know, the Cats were down uh, 63-62 in the final four minutes of that game. And Arizona went on a 12-0 run. It was just an incredible, incredible gut check for the women's wild, uh, Wildcat team there. Uh, they're up 69-63 with 2.08 to go. There were some defensive lockdowns for Arizona. In fact, UCLA ended the game on a two-minute scoring drought, or two-minute plus, I guess I should say. It started about two minutes and ten seconds or so uh, with the scoring drought for UCLA. They missed their final six shots of the game as uh, Adia Barnes' defense really, really stepped up and uh, and was impressive down the stretch when they needed to be. Got the stops that were necessary. And I mentioned, look, Shayna Pellington, another 20-point game for her, 12 points in the fourth quarter, absolutely clutch. It's like it's like kind of like watching Chris Paul, which we're going to talk about in just a moment because he had himself a big fourth quarter last night in Utah to put away the Jazz. So two great point guards here in the state doing work when it matters most, scoring when their team needs them most to put the game out of reach against the opponent. So uh, Wildcats did a great job last night at the free throw line, 18 of 20, making 90% of their free throws, which is absolutely incredibly it's that's 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 how you win big games like that it's the little things like that are what keep you from winning games over a 15 year span of time in a certain building you know we uh, we 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 played well but we shot 52 percent from the free throw line and we lost by five points tonight and you know those kinds of games happen especially when you're just you've got this losing streak hanging over your head we witnessed it in arizona football for the last two and a half years essentially um team would play well little things would come up that you know just were kind of out of character for the team and you'd all of a sudden find yourself on the losing end of the scoreboard last night it was erased by just look it was it was a great performance by the entire team um you know they they haven't won a game like i said since 2007 at poly pavilion and uh, just a, a great overall team performance from adia barnes and her uh, her women's Wildcat basketball team. So congratulations to them. Big win. And, you know, UCLA is not the best team. They're kind of just outside the top 25, kind of a fringe uh, top 25 team. But regardless, going in there 
And winning a game like that, that says big things about your program, especially since, like, you know, I know we all celebrate the women's basketball team and how good they are and, you know, the fact that they went to the championship game last year, beat UConn in the Final Four, which UConn is certainly not used to, um, coming off an NIT championship from three years ago. You know, it's it's all these things, and we've had all this, this success, and yet this was supposed to be a step-back year for the women's team. And here they are, right atop the Pac-12 once again. They've stubbed their toe a couple of times. That happens um, with, with with every program. I mean, Stanford, as great as they are, I think they've what they've lost what three or four games this year. So it's it's really a testament to the coaching staff, the players, of not. I guess not buying into the, I guess, the, the the rumors, if you will, or whatever have you, you know, staying within themselves, staying focused, and uh, just being a solid basketball team, one solid unit, and uh, I, I give them all the praise in the world. That is one hell of a basketball program that we've got there, and uh, Adia Barnes has really put it together. And it's things are on the rise. They've got the number one recruiting class. Uh, uh, as far as I know, they I mean – it's. I'll say this: It's difficult to say that they wouldn't have the number one recruiting class in the country for women's basketball. They have their their top four players are rated in the top twenty five of of all the high school players in the country. So it's like, yeah, it's it's uh, it's only going to get better from here, and uh, that's saying a lot because it's pretty darn good right now. So congratulations to the women's team getting that big dub. Uh, at UCLA, and uh, they've got more tests to come. So we'll continue to watch and cheer them on and uh, continue to report their successes as they head on towards their own Pac-12 tournament and eventual postseason tournament in the NCAAs. Last night in Utah, it was the Phoenix Suns hanging on down the stretch to beat the Utah Jazz in Utah 105-97. They moved their league-leading record to 38 wins and 9 losses. Uh, by far the, the the best record in the league. They still enjoy that three-and-a-half game lead over the Golden State Warriors. And last night, it was Devin Booker opening the game in a huge way. Uh, I, I mean, it doesn't get much more impressive than what he did last night in that opening frame. 21 points for Devin Booker in the opening quarter. Oh, by the way, the Utah Jazz as a team scored 18 in the first quarter. Devin Booker came out firing. Now, two nights ago against Utah, it took him, what was it, 35 shots to score his 39 points in the game. Last night, he was much more efficient. 16 of 28 from the field. He was flat filling it up. 2 of 6 from beyond the arc. 9 of 11 at the free throw line. Ties a career high with 12 rebounds. Also dropped off four dimes in the game as well. And 43-point performance out of Devin Booker feasting, feasting on the Utah Jazz. Now, the Jazz were without two of their starters. Donovan Mitchell, kind of a big one there with a concussion. Rudy Gobert, kind of a big one there, still nursing uh, back his uh, the, the calf injury that he sustained uh, about a week ago, I, I guess it was. But the Suns were also without two of their starters. DeAndre Ayton, which, of course, is a huge miss for the Phoenix Suns. And Jay Crowder, who's there, you know, starting three, four, you know, kind of combo, uh, you know, a volume three-point shooter uh, and, a, you know, a big body, good rebounder. So Suns were, were not uh, completely going on, on full strength either. Bismack Biombo gets his first start of the season for the Phoenix Suns. He scored 12 points, grabbed six boards in 29 minutes. But as I mentioned, 
it was the CP3 show in the fourth quarter. In, in Through the first three quarters of that game, Chris Paul had scored six points, really didn't attempt many shots. I think he was like two of five from the field or something like that, two of six from the field in the first three quarters of that game. And I, I texted my buddy, and I'm like, you watch this. This is going to be the Chris Paul show here in the fourth quarter. It's he's This is his quarter. He's going to take over the game. And sure enough, he did 15 points in the fourth quarter to seal the deal. Also gets five assists, grabs four rebounds, only one turnover in 37 minutes for Chris Paul. He was fantastic in the in in the in the fourth quarter when it mattered most. Uh, and the Phoenix Suns, of course, get that victory, 105-97. They continue their winning ways. And really, the Suns bench played extremely well. Um, and they went with a shortened bench last night. They only played four players coming off the bench. They've still got plenty of injuries there. Cameron Payne uh, is is injured. He's got the the wrist the wrist injury that he's unable to play. Uh, but you know, between uh, Jaden Smith and Ish Wainwright and Alfred Payton and Landry Sh- Landry Shamit, they didn't score a whole lot of points, but they played great defense. And that's you know, obviously that's that's fifty percent of the game. And even though the bench only scored 14 points for the Phoenix Suns last night, they were essentially like a plus 10 against the Jazz in the game last night. There was a huge difference for the Phoenix Suns. And uh, so the Suns will now move on uh, as they come back home. They were going to play the – they'll be playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. Should be an exciting game. Timberwolves got themselves a pretty good squad this year. They're 24-23. and They're starting to gel a little bit. And they've got three stars on that team. Carl Anthony Towns, of course, who is – uh, a really, really good basketball player kind of fills up the stat sheet in many different ways. They've got a a brilliant young rising superstar in Anthony Edwards, who I think is one of the one of the best young players, one of the best new players to the league uh, in the NBA right now. And D'Angelo Russell, who has found himself a comfortable home, he's averaging like 19 points a game in Minnesota this season. So that's going to be a test for the Phoenix Suns. That's a team that likes to run. They like to fill the bucket. I mean, they they absolutely love to score a ton of points, and so that should be a fun one. If the Suns can, uh, the, the Suns are able to kind of score with them, we could be seeing a real high scoring game, possibly in the you know one fifteen to one twenty something range, something like that. Suns obviously the better team. Uh, it's going to come down to who can get stops and who can create more efficient offense. Last night for the uh, for the Phoenix Suns, I know Quinn Snyder the head coach of the Jazz, was absolutely livid with his team. He was livid with a lot of things last night. He was not a happy camper on that sideline last night. He was mad at his players. He was mad at the officials. He was mad at Suns players. He was screaming at everybody last night. And he he had a right to be upset when your team just stands there and watches the opposing team take the rebound and run the length of the court on a fast break. And not just once, not twice. It happened like five times last night. It was. I'm like, do the Jazz? Uh, do they want to play tonight? Are they? Is something happening here? Are they afraid to go back and play on defense? Because they gave up 22 fast break points to the Phoenix Suns last night, which is it's almost absurd. If you're not if you're not one of those running teams, if you're not a team that likes to run and gun, to give up 22 fast break points in a single NBA game is ridiculous. <laughs> like that just shows you don't care. And Quinn Snyder was not happy about it last night. Also, I tweeted out last night as the game was getting into the midway point of the fourth quarter, and it just it seemed like everything that the Utah Jazz did, and Jordan Clarkson was really, really good late in that game. Uh, 
what did he score, 19 points or something like that, 18 points in the fourth quarter. He was really good, uh, you know, trying to keep them afloat, shooting threes. He was 6 of 12 on the night. But they started to get really chippy, and it was a situation where it's like they realized that no matter what they did, they couldn't beat the Suns, so they were going to beat them up. And it's a bad look. I mean, Hassan Whiteside just trucking people. And I mean, I, I, without without any kind of uh, of of you know regard to safety or to the actual game of basketball, just two forearms right into the chest of people, just running right through them. Uh, it, it's it's ridiculous. There's no place in the NBA for that. There's no place in sports for that kind of crap. And I don't appreciate it. And I'm sure that uh, Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns players didn't appreciate it, but. Suns got the dub, so they got the last laugh. It was interesting, though, because things were getting real chippy. Mike Conley was kind of throwing some hands there, and, uh, and not throwing hands like like throwing fists or anything like that, but he was slapping and scraping at the at the ball handlers and things, and it wasn't a good look for the Utah Jazz players that were out there last night. They were just kind of giving up and deciding to fight instead of like physically fight the Phoenix Suns players as opposed to actually fight – uh, for a win, so not a great look for the uh, for the Utah Jazz. But as I mentioned, the Suns return home. They'll be taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves tomorrow night. You can hear that game right here on the airwaves on ESPN Tucson as we are your home, your Tucson home for the Phoenix Suns. So uh, tune in for that. We'll have that game for you. Like I mentioned, it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun with uh, the, the big cat coming to town and Anthony Edwards should be a good one. Um, also, when we return, we'll be talking about this this all-star voting and and isn't it interesting now, now i'm just i'm just hear me out here it's I, I i find it rather interesting that when we have these discussions in in sports when we're up in arms about things and this is ridiculous and you know i talked yesterday about the hall of fame snubs and today we're going to talk about some all-star snubs because Phoenix Suns players are getting completely disrespected in the all-star voting, the fan voting of the of the all-star game. Interestingly enough, it's kind of galvanizing for sports fans when we can all rally behind people's bad voting skills, right? Like it, it's like, boy, this is this is really a problem. I'm you know I really have a strong opinion negatively about this. How did that happen? Well, people voted on it. Oh, okay. So these all-star games. How does Devin Booker not, you know, not get us a, a you know, a, a a chance to start for the Western Conference? In fact, he's sitting behind Clay Thompson in votes, who's played five games this year. What happened? Uh, people were voting on it. Oh, okay. Interesting little parallel, isn't it? People voting causing problems. Go figure. All right, we'll come back with that coming up after the break. Join ESPN Tucson as we invite you to the FC Tucson party. That is going on tonight at Puebla Vida downtown at 4.30. The U.S. men's national team game is going to be uh, on the on the TVs there. The game will be shown on site, and you can join FC Tucson. They'll be on site as well alongside ESPN Tucson. And we'll be having a big old party there. So come on down to Puebla Vida tonight downtown at 4.30 for the U.S. men's national team game and uh, join in the party and have some fun with us watching some soccer having some good times with like-minded fans, drinking some good drinks, some uh, some great eats, and uh, having a good time. All right, when I return, some of the all-star voting <laughs> has got a little out of hand 
for the uh, for the NBA All Star Weekend, and the the starters are going to be announced coming up later today. We'll find out who that will be and who got snubbed. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Hey, let's give away some tickets. You know, we're going to be having the, the FC Tucson party tonight at Pueblo Vida at 430. And then Saturday, the MLS Desert Showdown going to be going on at uh, Kino Stadium North. That one uh, kicks off at 4 p.m. Gates are going to be open at 3 o'clock. I've got a family four-pack of tickets to give away right now. We're going to do. We're going to go deep. We're going to go deep here because I know that people are going to be wanting to climb over one another for these tickets. We're going to do caller number nine. Caller number nine at five two zero seven one nine. 1490. That's 719-1490. Caller number nine is going to get themselves a family four-pack of tickets to go see Kansas City versus Colorado in the MLS Desert Showdown this Saturday, 4 p.m., Kino North. Good luck. All right. So there's been some all-star snubs over the years, and it happens every year. Any time there's fan voting going on, there's going to be some issues. There's, it's going to be labeled the popularity contest, much like the Hall of Fame voting that we talked about yesterday was a charisma contest and not based on things that actually happened between the lines of, of the sport. Otherwise, there would be several other players already in the Hall, uh, much like you know people who vote on that who screw things up, people who vote on NBA All-Star games and other All-Star events, for that matter, they screw up too. And... Looking at the current voting status, because the uh, the starters are going to be announced today for the NBA All-Star Game, the Eastern and the Western Conference. Just looking at the Western Conference, because I, the Eastern Conference, sure, but the Western Conference is the one that I you know focus on. Obviously, we cover the Suns here. We keep it local. We're your home for the Phoenix Suns right here on, the Tucson, uh, on ESPN Tucson, your Tucson home for the Suns. Let's take a look at where the Phoenix Suns are, are, are right now in the All-Star voting. Now, their big three, obviously, being Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton is currently 10th in the West in front court voting. I, I don't have a problem with that. He's he's missed a bunch of games. He's currently injured. Um, it's just it, you know, and, and look, there's some there's some really good players in the you know in the Western Conference. Guys like I don't know Nikola Jokic. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, who the aforementioned Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, who's hurt, but obviously one of the best defenders in the league. Uh, LeBron James, he's a pretty good player. Paul George, I'd say he's a pretty good player. Anthony Davis, uh, you know, injured, but uh, damn good player. <laughs> but then you see guys like Carmelo Anthony, and you're like, come on, dude, like seventh in voting, really, ahead of Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and DeAndre Ayton, like a million votes ahead of those guys? Eh, silly. But the real problem here is this. Clay Thompson is currently fourth in the NBA All-Star voting, the fan voting, in the Western Conference. Clay Thompson, who has played five basketball games, five, <laughs> is 400,000 votes ahead of Devin Booker, who is having an incredible season this year for the Phoenix Suns. Also, might I add, the Phoenix Suns, who have absolutely steamrolled Everyone they've played this year, 38-9 and record on the season, but apparently that doesn't matter either. 
But if you look at what Devin Booker is doing, he's currently 12th in the league in scoring sandwich between Donovan Mitchell and Zach Levine. He's one of the elite scorers in the NBA. He's also having one of his best years in rebounding as far as, you know, as far as Devin Booker is concerned. He's averaging nearly six rebounds a game. And he has been a man on a mission. He scored 21 points in the first quarter last night. He had a huge game two nights ago against Utah and has been a driving force for this Phoenix Suns basketball team and is, you know, the maybe the second, probably the second most valuable player on the, the actual Phoenix Suns team. He's currently fifth in the voting and will not be able to make up that gap, obviously. He's going to have to be chosen by whomever the team captain is. Right now, that's LeBron James, who has about an 800,000-vote lead over Steph Curry for the, uh, for the West's most popular player. Chris Paul is seventh in voting. Seventh! Chris Paul's having one of his most complete seasons ever. He's averaging 15 points per game. He's leading the NBA, leading the NBA in assists. And he's also grabbing almost five rebounds per game. He's having a spectacular year, and he hasn't even turned it on yet. Not to mention, not only is he having a a great year statistically average-wise, but what Chris Paul does in the fourth quarters of games, if you haven't been watching, you wouldn't understand. Eddie Johnson, uh, you know, good friend, (coughs) and of course, color analyst for the Phoenix Suns, he had his essentially his MVP voting, he put it out on, on Twitter yesterday. Uh, he feels that, that Chris Paul is the, should be second or would be second in the MVP voting behind his choice for the MVP, which is Joel Embiid. It's difficult to argue with that because of the sheer numbers that Embiid is putting up this year and the way he's playing without, uh, you know, without of course, the, the, the point guard or you know whatever have you, the situation that's going on in Philadelphia. And, uh, it, it, you know, so it's been a difficult, uh, you know, difficult, difficult season for, for Joel Embiid in the 76ers. I'm not a Joel Embiid fan. I don't root for Joel Embiid. In fact, I usually root against him. Um, but they, he, nonetheless, he is having a tremendous season this year. He's averaging like almost 30 points a game. Um, but Eddie Johnson, who's a really smart guy, he's got Chris Paul as his runner-up to the MVP this year. And it's not because of the statistics, because statistically he's middle of the road in scoring. Um, you know, having one of his best rebounding years, like I said, he's got he's averaging almost five rebounds per game, but leading the league in assists right now. And it's it's been his his clutch ability late in games to to seal games. And we, look, we saw it last night. It was on it was on display last night. He was largely ineffective, or I don't want to say ineffective because he was effective in the game last night. The Suns carried a lead throughout. Um, Chris Paul was was biding his time. We'll put it that way. He was biding his time through the first three quarters of the game last night, much like he's done throughout this season, so that he can then save his energy to take over the fourth and propel the Suns to victory, which is, by the way, the best record in the NBA. To have him seventh behind Russell Westbrook in voting is it, it's it's just silly. Like, it's just dumb. <laughs> Russell Westbrook, is they're talking about trading him because of how poorly of a fit he is with that basketball team. I don't know why it's taken the Lakers front office to figure this long to figure it out. I knew it right away. As soon as they made the trade, I was 
gladly laughing all the way to my uh, to my notebook to take some notes for the next for the show that next day because I was like, this is gonna be great. I get to clown on the Lakers all season long where they got Russell Westbrook in that uh, entire mess that they've got going on there. But there are four Los Angeles Lakers in the in the essentially in the top six voting of the uh, of the all star of the all star game for the for the Western Conference, and I know I get it. The state of California is going to vote for their guys and stuff, but come on. And Andrew Wiggins is the third highest vote getter in in the in the West as far as the uh, uh, as far as in the front court position that goes. He's got more votes than John Morant does. John Morant <laughs> is is going to win. He's going to win the league's most improved player this year. Period. End of story. Hand him the hand him the damn trophy right now. And Memphis is sneakily maybe the second best team in the West, right behind the Phoenix Suns. Maybe even better than Golden State. It still remains to be seen. Um, obviously, when they get into a, a playoff, if if they get into a playoff series, we'll definitely know then. But as it stands right now, I'd, I'd put Memphis right up there with Golden State as far as the second best team in the in the West. Put them right there. And John Morant's a big reason why. And he has 2.6 million votes, which is fewer than Andrew Wiggins. I'm, I'm just I'm dumbfounded. <laughs> can't, can't do it. Can't do it. So, and, and, and look, I, I know that I'm talking about an exhibition game, and I probably shouldn't be all worked up about it. I'm not really not worked up about it. I just – it's interesting how – when people voting on something goes so wrong, it is is you know essentially you know why we're why we're talking about this, and I just thought it was an interesting parallel to a lot of things going on in our world, not just this year and not just recently, but uh, time after time after time. All right, when we return, we'll start talking some NFL. What's the best Super Bowl matchup? The best Super Bowl matchup for the fans is probably a different best Super Bowl matchup for the league. We'll start talking about that next. Some of the interesting stories that could be looming ahead for Super Bowl 56 next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. We're going to start talking some NFL Got some other things we're going to talk about uh, throughout the show as well, but we'll start talking some NFL here. Uh, breaking news this morning that happened uh, about an hour and a half ago, I would say. The Denver Broncos have, uh, according to uh, several sources, have found their new head coach. Nathaniel Hackett is going to be the new head coach of the Denver Broncos. Nathaniel Hackett, who has spent the last couple of seasons as the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Oh, how the drama grows. We've been wanting to find out if Aaron Rodgers was going to end up in Denver. We knew that they would be courting him if, by chance, it seemed like he was going to be seeking out a trade to get out of Green Bay. Nathaniel Hackett was supposed to fly to Jacksonville today for an interview, and Denver said, ah, 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 you're not going anywhere. We would like to offer you a contract. And... Look, who knows? Maybe it was uh, posturing by Nathaniel Hackett, uh, you know, using 
the Jacksonville Jaguars interview as leverage. Maybe there was no interview. Who knows? Who cares? Regardless, Nathaniel Hackett, the new head coach of the Denver Broncos, or will be the new head coach, he'll be, should be announced uh, at some point in time today. And, um, look, this could be, I mean, it, it most likely is, a, a step in the direction of trying to lure one Aaron Rodgers away from his current situation in Green Bay to potentially becoming the next quarterback in Denver. We know that they are uh, look, I, they are a quarterback away from being a legitimate contender in the AFC. And look at that AFC West all of a sudden. If if Denver can get a quarterback, and I don't I don't know Nathaniel Hackett from you know from anyone else in this world. I don't know you know I not familiar with with exactly who he is um but the Denver Broncos feel like he can be a you know a head coach he's 42 years old so he's young he's worked um in the NFL for obviously for several seasons um and now he'll replace Vic Fangio now the problem in Denver right now is they kind of look like an unsettled you know an, un- an unsettled franchise this is going to be their fourth head coach in six seasons <laughs> so a little unstable there in Denver when they fired Vic Fangio. You know, Vic came out following their final loss of the season, and and they asked him, or second, it was the second was the second to last loss. Or, regardless, he basically pointed out the fact that quarterbacking was the issue, that it was extremely difficult to win games in the AFC West if you can't compete with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. Not many teams can. Uh, but they were certainly trying to play with one arm tied behind their back with Drew Locke as their quarterback, for God's sakes. So uh, this is a move potentially to bring in Aaron Rodgers if they can say, hey, look, your offensive coordinator, the, you know, the, the back-to-back MVP seasons that you had with this offensive coordinator is now our head coach. Come on over. It could be you know, a situation where they're, you know, it's, it's, it's an enticing, if they believe it's, it's enough of a, of, a, of a ploy to get Aaron Rodgers into the orange and blue of mile high, then it's, you know, it's an interesting deal. Now, I'm not one of those people that believes in hiring a coach just to lure one player away. Um, you, you know, you see it all the time in, like, college football and college basketball, college basketball especially, like <laughs> – for years, right, the USC would hire, like, a new assistant coach. And, oh, by the way, he's also the father of this five-star recruit that we have no business being in, uh, you know, being in, in, in the play with as far as recruiting this young man and bringing him in to a program that nobody gives a rip about in, the, in, in that city, outside that city. Uh, but we're going to hire his dad as an assistant coach so he can choose to, uh, you know, bring his son here with him. And we'll have a five-star player for a year, and then we got to figure out what we're going to do with this assistant coach after his kid moves on to the NBA. Um, this happens all the time in the, in those type of situations. I've never been in favor of that ever. Um, if a, if someone can coach and they have a really good basketball player for a son, great. If they can't coach and they just have a great player for a son, I'll pass uh, because you know there are other people than just that one kid on the team. So, again, I'm not a huge proponent of hiring a coach just because they can lure one player to your team, it, 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 especially in the NFL, because it takes a village, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a full working process, not just the 53 men on, the, on the, the roster and the 46 active on game day 
but also everyone who goes into preparation for the week, whether it be the head coach, the assistant coaches, coordinators, the film coordinators, the research developers. I mean, all these people that are involved in the day-to-day workings of trying to just win a stinking football game on Sunday is a hell of a lot more than one coach bringing in one player to play whatever position, even if it is Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback at the age of 38 years old. So, Nathaniel Hackett, supposed to be the next head coach, should be announced sometime today for the Denver Broncos. And you'll start to see the dominoes begin to fall now as teams will begin announcing who their next head coaches are. Should be interesting to see what's going to happen in Tampa also if Bruce Arians decides to uh, step aside and retire, depending on what happens in New Orleans now that they're looking for a new head coach because Sean Payton has resigned and slashed retired uh, and a lot of other moving pieces around there. So could get uh, could get interesting. We'll, of course, keep you up-to-date on everything that's going on in the world of the NFL. So it got me thinking, you know, we think about this every year, when we get to championship weekend, AFC, NFC championship games, what's the best Super Bowl matchup? Did, is there a, a game that the fans want to see more than the league wants to see? Well, sure. I mean, the league has different you know, different goals, different aspirations. For the league, it's all about money, 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 money. I mean, what, what, what game is going to generate the most money? Which one is going to generate the most eyeballs? How much can we charge for advertising once we know what the matchup is going to be? Because, look, there, there have been some stinkers in the past, like matchups that people did not want to see, and it showed. The advertising was, not, I shouldn't say lackluster, but the, 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 you know, the actual the billing part of it, the, the television viewership was lackluster. Um, so, but I do think we have good stories for all of the scenarios for this year's Super Bowl, for Super Bowl 56. I'm going to begin with Cincinnati versus San Francisco because it's the least likely matchup based just solely on the odds from Vegas, right? I mean, those are the, those are the two underdogs this weekend. Um, so it would, it would lend you to believe that that would be the least likely. It would have to be two road upsets in order for this matchup to happen. However, I do think there are some interesting storylines in this particular case. You've got a, a situation where Cincinnati would be playing in their third Super Bowl ever, all of which will have been against the San Francisco 49ers whether it be the 81 Super Bowl, the 89 Super Bowl, and now potentially the 2021 Super Bowl. Pardon me. All three of them will have been against the 49ers, and the previous two were barn burners. I mean, they were absolute phenomenal games that came down to one big play. The 81 Super Bowl was was a goal line stand for the 49ers in Detroit trying to hold off that Cincinnati Bengals offense and Ken Anderson at quarterback. And then the 89 game was, of course, the Joe Montana-John Candy game. they got to go 92 yards in a minute and 18 seconds. He drives them down. He hits John Taylor in the back of the end zone for the game-winning touchdown, essentially a walk-off at that point. And uh, the 49ers go on and, uh, and win the Super Bowl. They were both phenomenal games. So I think for that aspect, it would be fun to kind of see, you know, like the history, and they'd be able to reshow a ton of highlights from that game and such. So the packages, highlight packages would be fun. Uh, I do, however, think it's the biggest mismatch of the four games. Of the four games that would that would occur, I think that's the biggest matchup, uh, biggest mismatch. Just because of what we saw last week from the offensive line and its inability to protect Joe Burrow from the Tennessee Titans defensive line, which was rated number four in the pass rush department this year in the NFL, now they'd be going up against the number one defensive line, that might get real painful 
for Joe Burrow, and I do think it would be the biggest mismatch of any of the four games. I think it would be not a situation where the 49ers would absolutely just blow them out. I just think it would be, as far as total domination from one side to the other, I think you'd see a very ineffective uh, Cincinnati Bengals offense. They'd have a couple of big splash plays in that game, but I don't think it would be any type of consistent type of offense from Cincinnati, and San Francisco would not make the same mistakes that Tennessee made and give that game away. The Cincinnati-Los Angeles Rams matchup would probably garner the largest point spread of any of the matchups. I think that would be the one that the odds makers look at and say, well, you know, we're going to make the Rams a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against Cincinnati kind of thing. And I think it's just because of, you know, matchups and the way the two teams looked throughout the season and such. And it's just I, – if I were an odds maker, I would put that at probably about a seven-and-a-half-point spread. I do think there are some interesting individual matchups in that game, specifically – from the wideout position, whether it's Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey or Eli Apple versus Cooper Cup, I think there'd be some interesting matchups in that game. But I do think that that may be the game of least fan entrance interest. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Cincy San Francisco game would be the least of fan interest. Uh, but regardless, I still think there's some good there's some good things that could come out of that game, and I think it'd be fun to watch Joe Burrow versus Matthew Stafford in that matchup. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk about the two scenarios if Kansas City moves on to their next Super Bowl appearance, their third Super Bowl appearance in as many years. What do those matchups look like? We'll talk about that next right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Talking potential Super Bowl matchups here and which which one would be great for the fans, which one would be great for the league, which one would just be great overall. We discussed the two Cincinnati uh, possibilities. Now we'll do the two Kansas City possibilities because, you know, I, I, I do believe that Kansas City is going to win that football game. They're just, they're just on a roll. They're feeling it, and they've got ultimate confidence right now. Patrick Mahomes is just killing it. The Kansas City-San Francisco rematch is very intriguing. It would be a rematch of Super Bowl 54 from two years ago when the Chiefs had to score, or not had to score, but they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter in that game, beating the 49ers 31-20. to And if you remember, it was a situation where if Jimmy Garoppolo is able to connect on a pass play that was wide open down the field, he literally just overthrew his receiver by about four yards. If he's able to connect on that, the Niners go in uh, to score, and at that point it'd be 27-17 with about three and a half minutes to go, and it was going to be looking pretty dire for the Kansas City Chiefs. But they didn't connect on the play, and then everything kind of fell apart for the 49ers, and bang, bang, the uh, the Chiefs go in and uh, win that game. Now, I do believe that these are the two most passionate fan bases of the teams remaining, the Chiefs fans and the 49ers fans. I don't think there's any real debate over that as far as who the most passionate and long-lasting fans are um, that are the, of the teams remaining. I mean, you've got the L.A. market fans with, with so many options, they couldn't, you know, often couldn't care less uh, about which team is playing where. And Cincinnati, great fan base, but not on par with what Kansas City and San Francisco have been doing over the years. Also, I think this particular matchup would be great because you've got strength versus strength, right? You've got the juggernaut offense of the Kansas City Chiefs 
going up against that juggernaut defense of the San Francisco 49ers. I think it's the best matchup of the of the four possible possible games. Um and I think it would be the best for the fans, the best matchup for the fans. Now, the best matchup for the league, though, would be Kansas City and Los Angeles. These are the two most talented rosters. You get the L.A. market engaged in a Super Bowl. The Rams are going to be playing at home in SoFi Stadium, all those stories there. The NFL would absolutely be gushing if they could get this matchup, which is the matchup that I'm sure they are hoping for. And, ironically, the most likely of the four matchups because these are the two favorites playing at home this weekend in their respective conference championship games. So what kind of a game would we get? I mean, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it'd be great. It'd be like a 42-40 football game and stuff. And I caution people all the time. I'm like, oftentimes when two great offenses meet up, it usually ends up happening where they cancel each other out and it becomes a defensive slugfest. I wouldn't be surprised if that game ended up like 19 to 16 or something like 20 to 17, something like that. A, a much less lackluster game than what we were kind of anticipating. But nonetheless, the league would certainly love it because they get the LA market. All right, that's going to wrap up our number one of the Jeff Dean Show. Coming up in hour number two, I have my list of the best NFL quarterbacks, 25 and under. We also have some uh, more tickets to give away, the Tucson Roadrunners, and some other things to discuss here in the world of sports. All coming up next in a quick little two-minute turnaround. Stay tuned to 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.